Okay, Laura, riddle me this. Hit me, Andy. I'll do my best. I am something you may not see, may not touch, may not taste, may not smell, and may not hear, but you use me dozens of times every single day. What am I? I think you got me on that one. I have no idea. I give up. I am an API. You're a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you. So an API, which stands for Application Programming Interface, is a tool that enables communication and interaction between two applications. And for the last few years, APIs have increased collaboration between banks and fintech firms as they work together to create innovative ways to enhance the customer experience. To get an idea of how banks can fully reap the benefits of APIs, we talked to someone with over 20 years of experience in financial services across business, technology, and operations. And she said, One of the biggest use cases has been for back office integration. Um, It makes it easy for developers to connect legacy data, potentially from mainframe systems or others, and take that data and be able to present it through customer-facing applications. I'm Andy Goldstein. I'm Laura Sewell, and you're listening to Fintech Focus from CSI. In a recent report entitled APIs in Banking, Four Approaches to Unlocking Business Value, our guest highlights multiple use cases and benefits for banks that want to make APIs a bigger part of their overall strategy. Here to share her research with us is Patricia Hines, a senior analyst with Salens Banking Practice. Welcome to Fintech Focus, Patty. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you for asking me. So we wanted to start by capturing a bit of API history. Can you tell us how APIs have evolved over the last 20 years? And um, when did the financial services industry really start to adopt APIs and, and bring them into their strategies? Well, I'm showing my age here. But when I started in banking, a lot of the integration between disparate systems was what we call point-to-point. Okay. Right? So a programmer would actually physically connect one program to another with some code, and there was all kinds of things in there like translation and connectivity, and so it was really, really difficult. So what really started changing is when um, Salesforce and others started thinking about APIs, and I think the first financial services API was when PayPal opened up its platform to developers in 2008, so Hmm. about 10 years ago. And then after that, we saw Visa and MasterCard, so lots of growth in the payments area. And now since then, we've seen additional growth across banking and financial services. So, for instance, I've seen something like a statistic of 530 new APIs that have been published over the last few years. So, Patty, I think the big question currently facing financial institutions is how to properly leverage APIs. In your report we mentioned a few minutes ago, you identified four ways to unlock business value with APIs. Talk to us about how APIs can simplify integration and help banks reduce costs. Yeah, so as I mentioned, you know, APIs in some form have been around for quite a while, and one of the biggest use cases has been for back office integration. So APIs are really kind of a lightweight integration, Um, It makes it easy for developers to connect legacy data, potentially from mainframe systems or others, and take that data and be able to present it through customer-facing applications. That might even be a mobile app. It might be a branch application, or it might be the call center. So really kind of unlocking some of the uh, feature and function that might be trapped in older systems. Which really helps out banks who haven't had access to this type of technology before. They can take their data and, and easily work it into new types of technology, such as a mobile banking app. 
Absolutely, yes. That's really cool. In your report, you identified a bank, uh, CBW Bank. This is an institution that has used APIs to completely revamp its digital banking infrastructure. I mean, this is a, a $33 million bank in Kansas, right? Absolutely. And this is the the first bank in the U.S. to publish APIs. So, I mean, tell us a little bit about that. It's a fascinating case that what seems to be such a small bank could have such a a revolutionary usage of APIs. How have they made this platform work for them? So uh, a tech executive uh, came in and said, I really want to sort of build a bank from the ground up. Needed a banking license, so acquired CBW. And what he did is he set out actually totally rewriting that back office infrastructure for banking, um, and he built it using APIs. And then uh, after he did that, he started opening up those APIs. So CBW actually won our Salent Model Bank in two consecutive years, the first time in 2016 for infrastructure modernization, and the second time for banking as a platform in 2017. So what he's done is take the hundreds of internal APIs that they created and have published 30 to 40 externally facing APIs, so for key banking processes, key banking uh, services. And he's offering those to both fintechs and banks, and it really helps all of the external parties be able to interoperate anything and everything. So he's really opened up everything across that bank platform. And since he's launched that, um, there are about 300 companies have signed up to leverage the APIs, um, either to use the sandbox facility, right, so having a place to be able to develop new tools, be able to test things out, or we actually have seen some new fintechs create solutions from that CBW platform. A couple of follow-ups. Um, I'd like to, if you happen to have a specific example of a solution that a fintech has created using their APIs, we'd love to hear about them. But uh, just out of curiosity, when CBW first put these APIs together, I mean, this is quite you know, groundbreaking usage here. Like, was there any sort of oversight of those APIs? Like, how did companies sort of uh, onboard these, the API usage in their organizations? So I think that's one of the things when we talk about open APIs that, that's a little bit confusing. So when a company like CBW or Citi or Wells Fargo or, or anyone really opens up APIs for development, it isn't that folks can just go rampant um, and create, you know, production applications. Mm -hmm. So banks like CBW and others, a FinTech will apply, and just about anybody can use the sandbox environment. So be able to test, be able to use sample code, take a look look at what others are doing. But when that's ready to go into production is when really the rubber meets the road. So CBW is a regulated entity, and they want to be sure that the partners that they're working with um, are using the data properly, are following sort of the rules of the road. And, and often they don't certainly want a competitor to come in and use their platform either. So they even take a look at that. So um, that's one thing that I think it's really important to think about as we continue this conversation mm-hmm. about open APIs is that the API portal owner really has complete control over what happens with that information. And did your, did your research happen to identify a specific use case from one of these organizations that took to CBW's API to create a new solution? Yeah, well, actually, uh, a quite well-known example, um, there's a digital-only bank called Movin okay. uh, that was formed in the U.S. by a leader in the fintech community. And it's been written entirely on top of CBW's platform, including CBW's banking license. So very well-known example. They've also created a cross-border payments platform on top of it. So, you know, some very substantial um, case studies and use cases 
that are on that CBW platform. You're listening to FinTech Focus. We're exploring the world of APIs with Patricia Hines, a senior analyst with Celence Banking Practice. Patty, it sounds like CBW obviously is a you know, relatively new bank. And as Andy mentioned, it's $33 million in assets. So with its use, this great use of APIs, is that going to be something that they use for substantial revenue growth? Um, yeah, and I can tell you that a lot of the folks that are launching API platforms in the financial services space, they're really thinking more about expanding usage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like anything, right, the, you know, the razor and the razor blade, once you get folks using the platform, then they can think about maybe monetizing the traffic on the platform. Um, how many, you know, API calls are there? Is there a revenue share agreement? So really a lot of the, the work that's been done up to now is about attracting developers, attracting activity, and then you can start to think about monetizing. Gotcha. So from CBW, they are a little bit more mature in the market, and they are able to do revenue sharing, for instance. You make the case for APIs as great tools for enhancing customer communication. Can you give us a real-world example of that? So the one I like uh, best of all for this is really a banks that are talking to their business customers, right? I think we talk a lot about Syntex and, you know, sort of new cool uses for APIs for the, the average consumer. Um, but for business customers, whether it's a small business or a multinational corporation, it's all about getting data into their accounting and finance systems. So today there's things like, you know, Quicken or QuickBooks do screen scraping. They actually log into the uh, the bank's online banking system and they download data. So Which we're takes forever, right? That. I mean, that's such a huge... It takes just, forever, yeah. and there's a big concern about security. Um, the idea that if Quicken downloads my data, I mean, what are they going to do with that? And can I restrict them, right? So what, what these businesses are thinking about is if I use an API, I can very much tailor the connectivity. You can only take in yesterday's transactions. You can only bring in yesterday's transactions for three accounts. So it's really tightening down the security, um, and it's also an on-demand model. Mm-hmm. So it moves from batch to real-time. For large corporations, for instance, they might download data at the end of the day, and this provides them with a real-time ability to say, gee, I, just, I think a new wire transfer came in for me. I'm going to make a quick API call to the bank and double-check to see whether that's come in. There are several standards out there for open banking API, including the, uh, we're looking at the Berlin Group for PSD2 in the European Union and the Open Financial Exchange in the U.S. Is it possible to explain, maybe in a nutshell, some of the major differences between these standards? And, I mean, is it even possible that the U.S. could eventually adopt one API standard to rule them all? Good question. Um, first of all, we know standards aren't standards. Um, yeah, we, we sort of have, right. We've been joking about this for yeah, so many years. It's a years. misnomer. <laughs> it's a complete misnomer. So I'm going to call it a specification for the purposes of our discussion Sounds today. Uh, you know, and they've sort of all grown up. So the Open Financial Exchange has really started with Quicken. Um, it used to be their IFX. So really, it was Quicken who started this off, and then uh, Yodley and some others in the U.S. picked it up. So it's really spread through the way that the U.S. uh, transfers data. So right now it's very U.S.-specific, for instance. Now, the Berlin Group, um, lots of folks working on that. Now, again, it's very specific to meet PSD2's needs. So I think that's the big thing to think about is these specifications grow up around 
specific use cases and specific business needs. Um, so that's how they do differ from one another. Um, right. So, for instance, you know, ISO 222, which is becoming a global payment standard, um, is really about financial transactions. But what about when you want to do a branch lookup or an ATM lookup? Um, those aren't financial transactions. So the, the specifications really aren't broad enough yet to cover everything that is coming through APIs. And I just don't see us catching up anytime soon. Um, but certainly we want to think about interoperability. Yeah. Um, but that said, you know, I, I have talked to several of the leading banks in the U.S., and they are more than happy uh, to try to get to one standard because they don't believe in, in having all these disparate specifications. Patty, CSI recently conducted our Banking Priorities 2019 study, and for that we asked bankers across the country uh, a variety of questions on several banking topics. When asked which one issue will most affect the industry in 2019, about 7% of respondents said API is open banking. Does that number surprise you? Well, I think it's maybe about thinking about what an API is. So if you think about an API um, from a technology standard, right, it's a tool. Um, much like a, a web or a telephone or the branch teller as a, as a tool to deliver service. So I see this as an enabling technology. So the value really comes in in how banks use those APIs. So maybe it's, as I mentioned, to unlock some legacy data, to make it uh, more accessible to, to applications, to the frontline office staff. You know, and that could improve the customer experience. So certainly that remains a top priority of, of bankers. You know, the other is that APIs can also connect uh, back office systems, you know, maybe to artificial intelligence, and that might help to identify um, cybersecurity problems, cybersecurity risk. So it's really about how you use those APIs. So the the, uh, the challenges and the opportunities stay the same for the bankers, but APIs enable them to really make those big changes for them. Patty, you mentioned using APIs to manage cybersecurity risks. One thought I had uh, when I first started researching APIs was with all this new connectivity, uh, especially with external APIs, are there actual cybersecurity threats that can arise from this? Um, I think we're just now starting to see some glimmers of that in uh, Europe, Um, Mm -hmm. so in the United Kingdom and Europe. Um, as those APIs uh, are rolling out, they're required right now for, for those regions. So people are looking pretty closely at that and trying to make sure that they do have the right customer consent and authentication in place. Again, have not seen anything widespread, but uh, I would never want to say never, because as we both know, a lot of cybersecurity events are not reported, um, and we may not be seeing them. But, but so far, I haven't seen a lot. But certainly it's a brave new world, and a lot of folks don't understand API security. You mentioned improving customer experience as a, a value-add and certainly a huge benefit from, from banks taking in APIs. Aside from that, like, do you think the financial industry is heading to a place where banks will have to embrace open banking in order to remain competitive from a customer experience standpoint? That's an interesting question. I guess, you, again, it depends on that, that definition of open banking. But certainly, if I can see a view of all of my accounts in my online banking portal, I'm happy to stay in my online banking portal. But I don't see all of my accounts in online banking. So I use a PSM tool. I use a desktop where I bring all those transactions in. So to the extent that a bank doesn't provide uh, what their end user is looking for, and that may be ubiquity across the financial services ecosystem, yeah, that is, that's a big threat. 
Um, so if, unless a bank has embraced open banking, unless they've embraced connecting to other financial institutions, to fintechs and others, yeah, they, they absolutely could easily be left behind. Okay. And APIs can help banks of any size join up some of that data or join up functionality. Something super simple is, is the omni-channel, right, mm-hmm. word that we all have used to death. Mm-hmm. You know, if they've, if they've started an application online for an auto loan and they go to the branch to sign the documents and the teller doesn't know anything about the, the application, you know, that's a big problem. Patty, as you mentioned earlier, many banks are already using APIs internally. So if these banks want to incorporate heavier API usage into their platforms, what would be your advice to them? So certainly it's important um, for those banks to think about how do I start on a journey, mm-hmm. especially if they are already using them internally, you know, start to talk to those developers, talk to the use cases, understand how they're being used. Um, so one of the things that we talk about, you know, I mentioned earlier the connectivity between uh, a bank and maybe their business customers. So here there's actually some very leading small business accounting service providers. Most of them are cloud-based, and they've been using APIs to connect with, with banks all over the world. So go talk to your partners, which is kind of an unusual thing that a lot of banks don't think about going to a fintech partner first. Uh, but certainly, we, we've seen an ecosystem arise where it's the bank, the client, and maybe the tech provider that are working together to figure out where those first few APIs can be deployed. Well, I feel like we have just scratched the surface. Patty, we, we can't thank you enough for coming on and, and talking with us about APIs and really sharing your incredible knowledge with us. And we really appreciate you coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. That's it for this week's episode of FinTech Focus. Thanks again to Patty Hines for joining us. And thanks to all of you for listening. To learn more about APIs and a slew of other topics, check out Patty's research at Salent.com. That's C-E-L-E-N-T dot com. We're going to take a bit of time off for the holidays. So this is actually the last episode of FinTech Focus for the year. We just want to take a moment to thank all of you for listening to this show. We've had a blast creating each and every episode, and we hope that for everything that we put into this show, you get that much out of it and then some. So from all of us at CSI, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Joyous Kwanzaa, Cheerful Festivus, blissful Boxing Day. Whatever it is you celebrate, we hope you have a wonderful time doing so. We'll see you in 2019.